the goal of Islam is to perfect the Abrahamic tradition mm -hmm. and actually remind Jewish and Christian people of their monotheistic origins. I sure hope it's not literal because I, I don't think we should invoke the name of God when conquering territory. I, I have a different view of God. <laughs> All right. I don't think God is in the business of conquering territory. I, I just don't think there's any evidence for that. If Palestinians had actually had the opportunity to get their own state, things would have looked completely different. And, and how could such a small and powerless state, by the way, mm -hmm. be a true threat to, to Israel? That's another question. Especially a, a people who, who had been allowed to have their dignity. You give people their dignity, they're going to react completely differently. Unless you believe they're not human beings. A, a huge person in, not, in some of these Gnostic groups, mm -hmm. they, they basically claim to follow Paul. Not Paul uh, the way we know Paul the, okay. today, yeah. but the secret teachings of Paul. J claiming apostolic authority doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Because you can just, you can claim that these apostles had secret teachings. If you could tell, if you would tell, if you should tell, what would be your Miss the Earth story? Mm. I don't think I can get too personal. Personal as you can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think I'll have to just speak philosophically. It's not time it's, for confession. <laughs> and I'm not a priest. So yes. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the opportunity and um, the invitation, accepting the invitation to um, mm -hmm. come talk to me. I think you are an interesting professor. I've done many classes with you since <laughs> I started Berman. I think my first class with you was uh, comparative religion. Mm. I, I think you guys changed that to something else now. Yeah. What e is it Eastern, called? Eastern and Western religions Eastern. divided up into two semesters. What is the difference between comparative religion and Eastern Western religion? Because Well, the comparative religion class was one semester, and mm -hmm. we ha I had to pack all the world's religions into oh, one okay. half semester, yeah. and now I don't. So that okay. makes it a lot easier. So is that more work? Or would you well, I had to do some more work because mm -hmm. I, I, I had more time to teach each religion, yeah, okay. which is much better because the survey course was just, just scratching the surface. Yeah. Now I get to go a little bit deeper. Nice. Tell us a little, bit about, a little bit about your background before we <laughs> dig into the conversation. Tell us about what you do. and. Well, I, um, I received my, my... So my background is philosophy of religion. I, that's what my PhD is in. Mm -hmm. uh, I got it while I was living in Ontario from McMaster University. And then um, I started out in, in my career in administration here at Berman. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't... Uh, working i wasn't teaching full-time i was an administrator mm -hmm. and then i gradually trans transitioned into the the classes that i'm teaching now you what did you do your undergrad in in uh english i completely english. <laughs> yeah what caused the shift why did you go into i just like, religion became well i first became a, I, my master's is in political uh, political philosophy oh so i became very interested in philosophy first mm -hmm. political philosophy and then religious philosophy afterwards mm -hmm. and so it was just uh, it's just a bad habit of, of mine that I just want to explore a bunch of different areas and yeah. and I couldn't settle on anything. And so I really, uh, I'm jealous of those people who have their lives figured out from the very beginning, but I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. It took time. Don't worry, I can sympathize with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think it was a bad habit? It's a bad habit. Well, I was just, I mean, I'm just joking. I mean, I think there are certain advantages to it, right? right? I mm -hmm. mean, I have background in a lot of different areas on the mm -hmm. other hand 
I'm not as specialized as I could be, mm-hmm. right? If, mm-hmm. if, if somebody has, knows exactly what they want from the very beginning, right. then, then they're more, they have a ton of expertise packed into one little area, right. which has its advantages, right? right? You can make a career out of that, yeah. but I don't have that. So I'm, I'm more, I'm scattered, there, and there are certain benefits and drawbacks with that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, about your youthful years before you, you had the epiphany that you wanted to move there's, into philosophy. I don't think there's anything interesting <laughs> in terms of my youthful years. I find you interesting. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, like high school and yeah. stuff like that. Like, were you like always, what do you say, you're a little bit scattered? Dig into that. Yeah, I was, I was always exploring different areas. Right. And even when I got into... Um, I, I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I entered uh, university. Right. I didn't declare my major until the second year, I think, mm. or, or third year, maybe even. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even start to get good grades until the third year of my u- university mm-hmm. because I finally figured out what I, wa- what, what I was passionate about and I poured right. my energy into something rather than just, you know, not caring about anything right so exactly yeah or or caring about too many things at once <laughs> yeah yeah so uh i i did i chose my major mm-hmm. and i was always it was english but i was always interested in the theoretical and philosophical aspects of english literature mm-hmm. and so i just was became really passionate about that and then that led to other things so did you go straight to school after your undergrad or did you work as an english teacher for a little bit no i I went, I took a gap year and then I went to my, did my master's in political political philosophy. Yeah. Political Political science. Yeah. So you're kind of like, like politics a little bit. I, I like, I like the philosophical and theoretical aspects of it. For for someone who don't, (laughs) that's big words, break it down for me a little bit. What do you mean when you say like the philosophical um, aspect of it? Well, I mean, there's the kind of, uh, there's doing politics, Mm -hmm. being a politician, or being involved in political activism, and then there's thinking about politics. Mm -hmm. And I I like to think about politics. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is the advantage? Well, I mean, I think the disadvantage is that when you're thinking, you're not always acting. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a, it's harmful to act without thinking. <laughs> and I think we have a lot of people in politics acting without thinking today. <laughs> you can say that for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I, I remember the first time when I, um, when I inter- encountered your, your class in comparative religion, which now t- changed to Eastern and Western mm-hmm. religion. And um, I think you, 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 this is the first time I was introduced to deep thought in terms of various different religious groups. Mm-hmm. And we're always looking to Hinduism, the Islamic mm-hmm. faith. And I've learned so many things from those things that I was like, I didn't know. Because one of the things that I found out, and we're going to touch a little bit early on, on, on mm-hmm. Islam a little bit, because that's one of your expertise is in world religion, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a class that I teach now uh, at Berman. Mm-hmm. And my expertise is not so much in the history of these religions, but more in the, again, my, my wheelhouse is theory and philosophy so that's where i i often get into some philosophical things in my classes because just because mm-hmm. that's where i feel most comfortable comfortably yeah, yeah. and I, I guess one other thing that inspired me about your classes and I've, i think i've done now three classes with you um comparative mm-hmm. religion history of christianity one and two mm-hmm. and then i don't know probably one more next year <laughs> and year after but there was this um 
ideology that I had about Muhammad, the mm-hmm. prophet, and um, that was the idea that he he used to punish people. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always seen him as a wicked person, right? mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I'm Christian, right? Yeah. But I think it's okay to explore and understand other faith, yeah. right? So that's how we can talk. Like you learn about me, I learn about you, we yeah. learn about various different religion, yeah. and it's important for us to be properly informed. Yeah when we're talking about other people's religion, yes. right? Because sometimes we think we know, but we don't. Yeah. And then one of my ignorance was that I, I, I saw Muhammad as this person, and he's normally, he's often talked, of, talked about yeah. like that within some realms of Christianity, yeah. as someone who forcefully converted Christians with the yeah. sword, and was kind of like this evil, barbaric yeah. kind of a person who just went around. But then we started learning some stuff mm-hmm. about him in terms of um, his relation with Christians. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he actually was more tolerant. Yeah, in 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 some cases. Yeah, I mean, so one of the differences between Muhammad and and Jesus, for example, mm-hmm. is that Christians believe that Jesus Christ is is the Son of God, divine, right? Right. And as well as being human, as both human and divine, completely, right? Hundred mm-hmm. percent each. Um, but. Uh, Muslims don't believe Muhammad was was the son of God or God or divine in, in, in any way. He's just a prophet. Right. And which means that they don't Muhammad is not upheld in the same way that Jesus Christ is is upheld. Of course he's honored and revered. Mm-hmm. But Muhammad was was a lot more of an ordinary human being than Christ is portrayed in the New Testament. Right. So he was a military leader, for example. He was a political leader. Um, he he was a a a um, somebody who who had to deal with these very very political and practical issues within his community. Right. And so yes, uh, from a standard of perfection, he was not perfect. If perfect means that he was completely disengaged from politics and whatever comes along with political right. things, right? So mm-hmm. he got his he got his hands dirty, right? But Muslims do believe that he that Muhammad tried to perfect, uh, tried to move politics in a better way, in a better direction. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Muslims uh, um, revere is that he, Muhammad tried to bring Judaism, Christ, Christianity, and Islam together in mm-hmm. a sense, right? Under under the banner of Abraham, the Abrahamic religions. Right. So Muhammad basically taught that all three religions come from the same origin, mm-hmm. Abraham. Right. And so... Interesting. Uh, yes, or Adam even going back further. But mm-hmm. these three religions he thought were belonged to as a... They were a family. Mm-hmm. And if you look, if you read the Quran, he teaches over and over again that... Islam, the goal of Islam is not to get rid of Christianity and Judaism and convert, even convert Jews and Christians. Mm -hmm. The goal of Islam is to perfect the Abrahamic tradition. Right. Or complete it, I should say. Mm -hmm. Complete the Abrahamic tradition. Mm -hmm. And actually remind Jewish and Christian people of their monotheistic origins. Yeah. People of the book, you would say something. Yes, exactly. So he calls Jews and Christians people of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if you read the Quran, like chapter 5 of the Quran, he says to Jews, he speaks directly to Jewish and Christian people, and he mm-hmm. says, uh, you should go back to your own traditions. You're, right. Uh, read, in order to be faithful to God, Christians, you should read the Gospels. In order to be faithful 
to to your to your tradition, Jewish people, you should read the Torah. And so his goal was to perfect the to complete the Abrahamic tradition and teach Muslims and Jews and Christians how to be true monotheists mm. and how to stay true to the Abrahamic tradition. Is is there a difference between the Islamic view of God and the Christian view? Because uh, in Islam, is mm-hmm. is is Allah, right? And in yes, in in Christian, it's God. Yes. But is there a different? How do the Muslim view so that? So Muslims just think it's a different, same God, different, just a different name. It's just mm-hmm. the Arabic word. Allah is just the Arabic word for mm-hmm. for God, uh, and so um, the Arabic equivalent of God. Mm-hmm. And so they Muslims believe they're worshiping the same God as the Christians and the Jewish people. Really? Yeah. W- what is their what is the Islamic concept of Jesus? So they believe that <coughs> they believe that Jesus and all the Old Testament prophets were are, are prophets of God. Right. Yeah. So so they, they they believe in Jesus in a prophetic sense not like as Christian in the divinity sense where it's God and man. Yes, yes, just a, a just a, a a human being who became a prophet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is 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 there a difference between Islamic pluralism and Christian pluralism? Uh, and and probably uh, you could you could yes. talk about what those were first. Yeah. So Islamic so Islamic pluralism was what I discussed what I was discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Islam Islam uh, Muhammad from the very beginning tried to so Muhammad from the very beginning Muhammad was became a pol- of his from the very beginning of his political re- career in the city of Medina, mm-hmm. uh, which in Arabic just means the city. Right. Uh, he was a political leader in the in the a chief in the city of Medina. Yeah. And from the very beginning, he created a constitution that was pluralistic. Right. He he, he wanted um, Jewish people and and Christians and Muslims to live together mm-hmm. in in peace mm-hmm. and. Ever since that time, when Muslims have been ruling over areas that included Jewish and Christian people, mm-hmm. they have basically followed that pr- principle right. of pluralism. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone had the same rights. Right. I was going to come to that point. Yeah. Because Cr- in some instances, like some of the stuff that we learned was where um, there were different laws. Yes. So, for example, a Christian man could have married a Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but a Muslim man could murder a Christian yes, yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's kind of the same thing like you'd see in places like Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. um, which I don't profess to know much yeah. about, but at, at the basic level where um, you're not allowed, you can, you, can, you can be a Christian, mm-hmm. but you can't practice your faith public, publicly. Yeah. Or build so, churches or stuff right, like that. Right, exactly. So that's, that's pretty traditional. The, mm-hmm. Now, Saudi, Arab, Saudi Arabia is a ex- very extreme example, example right? but... But from the very beginning, there were restrictions on 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 Christians and Jewish people um, proclaiming their faith in public, mm-hmm. for example. So that that's one equality inequality. Mm-hmm. So there were some inequalities like that. Right. On the other hand, there were no there there was no effort in general. With a few extreme, there's always been extremists around. There's always exactly. been extremist Muslims, mm-hmm. and so with a few exceptions, Muslims, when they ruled an area that had Jewish and Christian people in them, they never tried to forcefully convert them. Mm. Uh, 
they Jewish and and Christian people always had rights mm -hmm. wherever Muslims ruled in the world. Right. And that even in India, um, when when Muslims ruled in parts large parts of India, mm -hmm. um, in the in the in the middle late Middle Ages, uh, there was pluralistic pluralism in relation to Hinduism. Mm -hmm. Hindus had rights as well. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's kind of like what it, I'm trying to think about uh, Christian state. Mm -hmm. Do we have a Christian state today? And the, re the reason why that came to my the mind... The United States? <laughs> I, I would, what, what do you say? The United States is a Christian state? There are people who believe it. Believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I, well, I'm going to tell you what I think, and then you yeah, tell me. Yeah. And then we're going we're to go back to the topic of Islam. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's a secular state that is, is more tolerant of all religion. Because, mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know of any, and I could be ignorant about this, I don't know of any particular... Um, constitutional mm. laws mm. that favor Christians. Yeah, it, it, it favors all people. Yeah, and and and, and you are allowed to build a church as well as a mosque yes. or a synagogue. Yes, exactly. In the states. Yeah, right. Yeah, but so so as far as I can I, I can tell, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's no Christian state today. Today, in in that sense, but there were in early in, in early Christianity. Yes, I mean, uh, so that's a very recent development. That yeah. that idea of pluralism is very recent in history. Mm -hmm. Like within the last, I mean, since the probably, I mean, the American Revolution was probably the one of the first instances where that idea of pluralism, Came that about. particular, there's always been versions of pluralism throughout mm -hmm. history, but that particular version of, of pluralism was is very recent. Mm -hmm. So, so in in terms of. Um, a country like United States, in terms of religion, mm -hmm. and 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 a country, say, let's not use Saudi because that's like an extreme. Mm -hmm. uh, what's a more neutral one? Probably. Um, well, well, the largest Dubai, yeah, they, United uh, Emirates. Yeah, Emirates? I mean, but the largest Islamic state is Indonesia, mm. and and so interesting. I and and I I mention that because there is no such thing as as an Islamic state. There's very many different kinds of Islamic states. And of course, okay. Indonesia has all sorts of different... Uh, I, I'm not an expert on Indonesia, so I can't speak to the details, but I do know that they have a very different uh, f way of of intertwining Islam and, um, and politics than Saudi Arabia, for example, which is a lot more extremist. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So y you mentioned that there's no such thing as an Islamic state? Well, there, and what I mean is there are many different kinds of Islamic states. So okay. Islam expresses itself in different ways mm -hmm. in different parts of the world. Right. So the, you can't say that Saudi Arabia is representative Islam. Of, of Islam in politics. In this whole. Yes. Okay, I see. Because and the Saudis and, and the Iranians are like, yes, is, they're, they're Muslim, but they're like yes. different in how. Yes, and and even Iran is different from you know from Saudi Arabia. Uh, so there's and 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 so there's many different different kinds of Islam in around the world. Around the world, yeah. Um, the, the golden age of Islam, mm -hmm. and, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I think this was during the time of the Ottomans or are the, are the Turks. Yeah, uh, bef a little bit before then. A little bit before a then, and it actually la g goes quite far back in history, even even before that period. Yeah, break that down for us and yeah. tell us about what the golden age was. So from around the ninth, ninth, ninth century to all the way to the 14th century, mm -hmm. you had a flourishing of, of Islamic culture. Mm -hmm. uh, you had 
a series of political leaders that created an Islamic empire mm-hmm. that stretched throughout the Middle East and even into parts of Europe, mm-hmm. uh, especially Spain. Mm-hmm. And that empire was, the, the cultural center of that empire was in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And um, not to say that all the culture was there, but that was the center of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, during this time period, from the 9th century to the 14th century, Islamic uh, science, uh, philosophy, literature flourished. Mm-hmm. And one of the legacies of this time period is that they preserved classical learning. So Greek philosophy, Greek science, for example, and they expanded on it. Mm-hmm. Another achievement was that they drew on, on thinkers and scientists from India, mm-hmm. from Persia, from from ancient Greece uh, and from around the world. Mm-hmm. So they basically synthesized a lot of information and then developed on upon that. Mm-hmm. And so this this was basically in the in the east and in the near east and in the in the Western world, this was the center of civilization at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to to mention because people think, some people think, that Islam is incompatible with with civilization, right? Yeah, that there's that just the Quran and prayer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and that it's a very backward religion. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's the opposite. If you look at history, the history of it. Yeah, and to some extent, this continued into the Ottoman Empire, which was also Islamic. Islamic, right? Yeah, and yeah. with and this, this and that basically declined when the Ottoman Empire declined. Mm-hmm. Which was about when? So around, I mean, it started, I'm not a historian, but I think it, it decli- started to decline in political and economic influence ar- around the, the 18th, the 18th, 19th centuries. 19th yeah. centuries, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's interesting that um, when I first learned about like the golden age for the Islamic mm-hmm. um, religion, yeah. And in terms of like literature, philosophy, yeah. and 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 even when it to, for, for when the Ottoman Empire became prominent mm-hmm. for um, medicine, yes, and um, like, there's a series on Netflix. Uh, this is a movie uh, that mm. talks about the Ottoman Empire. Oh, like, really? Yeah, uh, and I think it was like the it was describing the fall of the empire, mm. but it was showing you like people even from the United States mm-hmm. during that time, because then the, the US I think was a thing, it probably wasn't the superpower yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but um, I, 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 a, lot, a lot of students would, would go from the US um, to places like um, mm. Istanbul, mm. like in Turkey, yeah. where um, they had some of the best medical schools. Right, right, yeah, right. to study to be a doctor. Right. Uh, you, you should watch that. That's okay. kind of, it's kind yeah, of fascinating. I'll have to look at that. Um, but on, on, on the issue of um, the Middle East, mm-hmm. so you said that uh, just before the um, the Ottoman Empire, the Islamic faith had like an establishment in what is known today as Baghdad. Mm-hmm. Were they occupying Jerusalem at that time? Like, did they control that whole the whole Middle yeah, East? Yes, or? that that happened pretty early on. So they controlled Jerusalem and the and um, uh, the the Palestinian the Palestine uh, mm-hmm. or, or Israel, whatever you want to call it. Okay, uh, they controlled that area quite early on. Yeah. So so. F- uh, I forget the exact date, but it they they captured that quite early on. So so we could probably backtrack to before the Crusades, mm-hmm. right? Before the before the first Crusade yeah. was called, 
and um this this empire was also islamic but it's called mm. i think the seljuk turks yeah they came a little bit later um after so, so even before that no yeah so you're right well they cap they came a little bit later in history mm -hmm. but they took over jerusalem right so when the it was the seljuk turks that the crusaders were trying to capture jerusalem back from from yeah when they when they did the yeah. last that, that 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 first crusade yeah hello my wonderful friends pause for just a moment if you're getting any value from this video that you're watching right now i'm asking you one favor hit the subscribe button why because your participation by just subscribing or commenting on this video does a lot for this channel. It fuels this channel so that we can reach a lot more people. If this story that you're, you're listening to right now, this podcast, blesses you in any way, just do me this one favor and subscribe. Now, back to the video. Let's talk a little bit about the issue yes. that's happening in Israel right yeah. now, right? In terms of your understanding of the religious aspect yeah. of Israel, Islam, yeah. the, the people of Palestine. So you saw what happened on uh, October 7, right? Yeah. Where Hamas, this group from the Gaza, mm -hmm. um, launched about 5,000 mm -hmm. rockets, they said, into Israel, went mm -hmm. inside there, uh, decapitated a couple of babies, mm -hmm. old people, about 1,200 or so Israel, mm -hmm. Israelis, Israelites. Mm -hmm. And then um, in response, Israel turn Gaza into much like a mm -hmm. desert. Yeah. Like like, uh, yeah. Uh, like yeah. bombing and probably yeah. it's still going on right now yeah. because they are determined that Hamas has to go. Yeah. And this, uh, it, in the West where we are, it has like caused a large protest <laughs> and of pro-Palestinian people yeah. who are saying, you know, free, free Palestine, yeah. um, Israel is occupying, you know, colonialism yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all those kind of things. Uh, what's your take on that? In, mm -hmm. in, in terms of religiously, yeah, we're yeah. not going to get into the political yeah. aspect of it because we know that there's a lot of politics yeah. involved. But religiously, what's your yeah. take on that? So uh, there, there is a religious element mm -hmm. from the Israeli side. Uh, for the past several decades, mm -hmm. uh, Israel has been uh, populating uh, Palestinian what was supposed to be Palestinian territory. And, and just to be clear, what, what areas were those? So throughout the throughout the Oslo peace process, which was which was, if I'm again I'm not a historian, but mm -hmm. I, I think it was throughout the nineties. Fact check, guys, you can look it up. <laughs> I think it was throughout the nineties. Mm -hmm. uh, may have started in I could have st probably started in the late eighties and stretched out the nineties. Right. Throughout that whole so-called peace process, right, is Israel was populating what was supposed to be become eventually. Palestinian territory with mm -hmm. settlers. Right. And that was at the West Bank and Gaza. Yes. Okay. That was the West Bank and Gaza, which according to an international consensus was supposed to turn into a Palestinian state eventually. Mm -hmm. And so throughout that whole process, Israeli settlers motivated by religion in, in large part, mm -hmm. settled with the blessing of the state, mm -hmm. the Israeli state settled these territories mm -hmm. and and so today we have hundreds and thousands of uh israeli largely religiously motivated um settlers on these lands mm -hmm. and they pretty much partition up is a palestinian uh territory mm. uh so that there is that it, it, even if you have even if you 
magically snapped your finger mm-hmm. and said there, there there's now a Palestinian state yeah that state would be completely divided up by these settlements mm-hmm. and the roads that connect the settlements mm. so it's it's not just the settlements it's the roads that correct connect settlements, and only Israelis are allowed to travel on those roads really yes so whoa and so so so, so the people of Gaza are not allowed to uh, the the, uh, I'm thinking about the West Bank now. Oh, the West Bank yeah. okay right the the situation in the in the Gaza is even worse whoa so but this is I'm thinking mainly about the West Bank now so one of the arguments that I hear um, in terms of this and just a disclaimer mm-hmm. I I'm not I'm reading and I'm learning about this thing mostly when it just happened mm-hmm. in October 7 and so I don't know a lot but one of the arguments that I hear um, people make is um, the occupation of Israel. Mm-hmm. They say Israel is occupying yeah. Palestinian land. Yeah. And one of the counter arguments that I normally hear to that is that, well, Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005, I think, or mm-hmm. 2000. I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. date. You could look it up. And um, the people of Gaza, in turn, in turn, of Israel, like, mm-hmm. withdrawing from mm-hmm. Gaza, elected a tyrannical mm-hmm. government, Hamas, mm-hmm. that we know right now, mm-hmm. who just came in, oppressed the, the yeah. Palestinian people, like just really was very tyrannical yeah. and vindictive and judgmental towards his yeah. own people, like cruel. Yeah. That's the idea that we get. And people are saying that, so you're saying Israel, because of the Israel occupation, then Palestinian people are suffering. But here's an instance where Israel actually yeah. withdraw from. So again, th- this is not my area of expertise. This the, is the, politi- the, the this historical is political, political okay, sector. Okay, okay. So I can talk about the religion, but mm-hmm. I, here's what I understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that Israel technically pulled out of Gaza. Mm-hmm. But and you said technically because? Because they continue to control it from the outside. That's true. And one of the means of control was an, a very, very oppressive embargo. Mm-hmm. That caused a tremendous amount of suffering in Gaza. In Gaza, so here's how I view it: the Gazans um, reacted, and I would say the Palestinians have reacted the same way that all oppressed peoples have reacted throughout history. Mm. Not perfectly. Nobody, nobody who's human. No, no human being, no human beings throughout history have reacted perfectly <laughs> to oppression. Right. But they reacted in their, the only thing that, the main thing I want to emphasize is that Palestinians are human beings. Right. And they react in the same way that other human beings react. And so they reacted uh, the same way that uh, other human beings throughout history that are oppressed have reacted. Here's a a political movement, the Hamas, Mm -hmm. that's willing to stand up for us. Yeah. And they were like, okay, we'll support them. At least they're doing something. Right. Whereas the Palestinian Authority was viewed as being weak. T- too too weak and too in bed with with United Israel. States and Israel. Mm, mm-hmm. And so yeah. And and I mean the, the, there's a level of hypocrisy to it too. So to even people here yeah. who are saying they're pro Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Right? Pro Palestine. Because like I mean they've been suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you all along to yeah. protest? <laughs> like 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 you're now just seeing it. No yeah. now now you certainly c- yeah. you suddenly care. Yeah. But Let's go back on the religious front. Mm-hmm. Who has the claim? Who who does that yeah. land belong to? Well, well, the settlers think that they that the land belongs to them. That's the, the Israelis. The, th- those Israeli settlers that I was just talking about, right? Who are settling what was supposed to be Palestine? Mm-hmm. They're settling that land because they think God 
gives had that God gave them the right to own that land. To own the land. But he yeah. did, didn't he? In the from the Old Testament. From the Old Testament. <laughs> so so let, let's dig a little more like where God told Abraham mm-hmm. that he would give him the land yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Right? And to his seed and to his children. Mm-hmm. That that's that's his promise. That's very clear mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. And we know that those people are the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a uh, there's a literal interpretation yes. of that, and there's also a spiritual interpretation yeah. of that, in terms of the New Jerusalem. That mm-hmm. that that. But we're not going to get into that too much. Yeah. But from a literal perspective, God did tell the, the Jews that mm-hmm. I'm going to give you this land. Yeah. So by so by that. They have claim, and and we've seen this land being conquered and <laughs> and taken over by various different groups throughout history. Yeah. But how much how much weight does that claim have that God said I'm giving it to the Jewish people? So again, is that a, that, is that a good claim enough? That that depends mm-hmm. on our understanding of of a, what a modern political state should look like. Okay, if 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 I believed in theocracy, then mm-hmm. it might have weight. Hmm. If I'm a theocrat. Right, like Saudi. If I'm a theocracy like Saudi Arabia, right, maybe that kind of claim had. But does Israel want to be like Saudi Arabia? Does Israel doesn't want? Seem so. Does, does Israel they, want to be a theocracy? Doesn't seem so. So you're saying that they only have the claim to the land in terms of what they want their political ideology to be? Yeah, the theocracy. Yes, where God rules. Yes, that's 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 only that's the only way they could take claim. Yeah. Hmm. So so are you saying that 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 at some point in time, the promise became not literal. Well, I like how do you explain I, the fact that God said that it would be theirs forever, regardless of their regardless mm-hmm. of whether they're a theocracy or, yeah. or not? How does well, that negate? I, I I sure hope it's not literal. <laughs> I hope it's I hope it's something else. Because, Why? Because I I don't think we should invoke the name of God when conquering territory. Mm. It's it's. Why? Well, why is that? Be- like, because I don't pe- people would say we see that in the Old Testament. I, I have right? a different view of God. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. Tell tell, yeah. tell us about that view. Well, I don't. I don't think God is in the business of conquering territory. Mm. I think God is in the business of doing of trying to promote peace. I don't think God is in try is a warlike God. Mm-hmm. I don't think God is a warrior. Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting view. But if if you have a different view of God, like the theocratic one that I just mentioned, then God is deeply, heavily involved in politics. Politics. Yeah. And conquering and overthrowing yeah. people. Yeah. But but we did kind of see that type of God in the Old Testament, no? Yeah. Where I so are you saying that he changed? Yeah. Like in <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if change is a good one. Yeah. But but we we did see a God who conquered, right? Yeah. Like where the Israelites conquered yeah. the Canaanites. They yeah. they conquered Jericho and they kill everyone. And yeah. there were instances where they were told to kill even the baby yeah. and, and the animals. So, so are you saying that God has shifted his perspective in our time in so, terms of conquering? So that's actually a, a question that we dealt with in the history of a Christianity class that we that you just took, yeah. right? Yeah. There were uh, at the origin of Christianity there were these what became known as heretical groups right. that claimed that the Old Testament God was different from the New Testament God, God. Right. And that the Old Testament God was actually evil. Right. And these what became known as heretical groups mm-hmm. wanted to differentiate between these two different types of these two different gods. Right. And and so but mainstream Christianity uh, eventually settled what became mainstream Christianity mm-hmm. settled on the idea that 
this is that's actually the same God. We're worshiping the same God mm-hmm. as the ancient Israelites worshipped. Right. And then you get into this problem where, well, there seems to be some differences in the way God is depicted. Mm-hmm. And how do you reconcile those differences? And that's so that well, the, I have the same idea. Right. The question <laughs> that you're asking is a very good one. Yeah. 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 Very, very packed one that we probably yeah. need more time to yeah. <laughs> talk about. Exactly. I, I know this is probably an unfair question to ask you because I don't I, I don't see that no mm-hmm. one knows it. Everybody's trying to figure it out. What mm-hmm. What do you think is the solution for what's happening in the Middle East? Do you think first? I mean, do you th- people are saying he still has a right to defend itself. Yeah. Um, what do you think of all that? What, what What do you think a practical solution would be? I. And I know I know that's I, a really big yeah, question. Yeah. You know that, and, it, and it's, it's and it's definitely outside my expertise. Right. But uh, from a religious perspective, at least I would want to criticize the idea that Israel should be a religious state or a theocracy, that it mm-hmm. should rule based on religious uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I would the first solution is to I think just in that one minor area of mm-hmm. religion, mm-hmm. I think the idea should be, I think the goal should be to um, create a, to push Israel towards being a, a, a more pluralistic state. Mm. Where they can integrate. Yeah. You th- yeah. And, and by the way, there are a lot of, an, uh, air, um, there are a lot, there are Muslims living who are citizens of Israel who are living in Israel proper, right? Right. And so, but even they face a lot of discrimination. Mm-hmm. So there should be, uh, you know, the goal should be to uh, turn Israel into a more pluralistic and tolerant state. Like, like the United States. That would sense. be, um, in, in, yeah, I, I think we should actually, in terms of the American history of, American has, Amer- U.S. has a lot of faults, right? Of course. And they have not always acted on their principles. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there are certain principles, relative, there are certain principles of pluralism in the Amer- in the United States that I think should be admired. Did people would say that, well, that's true, that's a good idea, that everyone, we should integrate people. Mm-hmm. But some people would say back to you that, well, we're afraid of being blown up because there, there's this idea that, um, if they integrate, because mm. I heard one person said that every single day Israel has to be defending itself mm-hmm. from attacks. Mm-hmm. So the, um, I, I, you know about the, the dome system that they have in Israel, mm-hmm. where it can detect yeah. one of the most advanced yeah. um, missile detector yeah. in in the world. So there's this idea that they're constantly being bombarded. W- what to say? Integration mm-hmm. would make that worse. The and and here we get into this problem. Uh, here's we get into another religious problem. Mm-hmm. There, part of the reason we can make that argument is because of our view of Islam. That Islam, that Palestinians are Muslims, mm-hmm. and that they're so radical. Yeah, they just want to destroy Jewish people. Right. And so, what I was arguing earlier is that's simply not the case. Muslims, yeah. Muslims, historically have not done that. They have not had that motive to destroy Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They, they've wanted to co throughout history. Muslims have wanted to coexist and have actually coexisted with Jewish people. Right. Um, this 
this issue between Jewish people and Muslims is very recent. Yeah. Pro- and probably since Israel since, became a state since since the creation of Israel it, mm-hmm. this has been an issue but before that this wasn't an issue mm-hmm. some people would say that it, that that Palestinians don't want an integration they just need Israel to leave the Middle East yes and so that has been the preferred solution for a very very long time okay but the on, the problem is that Israel is making that impossible by by as I said de- partitioning up what was supposed to be the uh, Palestinian state. Mm-hmm. The West Bank and Gaza. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Part- and so how are you going are you going to forcefully remove all of these th- hundreds of thousands of of religiously motivated settlers? Mm-hmm. Are you just going to remove them? If you that's uh, and so what do you do then? If you can't rem- if you're not going to be willing what Israeli government is going to be willing to f- forcefully remove these hundreds of thousands of is Israeli religiously uh, radical, actually, mm-hmm. Israeli settlers. Hmm. Who's going to have, who's going to do that? And so how are you going to create a Palestinian state that is independent, that has control over its own territory and is contiguous, that mm-hmm. is connected? Because yeah. right now that's practically impossible. Yeah, And so that has been the hope for a long time that we Palestine could have an independent state but how is mm-hmm. that possible practically now yeah and and so the only solution from an Israeli pr- perspective is to keep Palestinians in the state of limbo they can't have their own state mm-hmm. and they can't be part of Israel so they have to be stateless in a prison they have to be they have to be refugees yeah. because it, they, it seems like if they became powerful there's a fear that okay then we're going to have to contend with them if they became fully integrated into israel they would probably be the majority or, or at least very close to the majority at this point oh really so yeah. so so we'll probably see more a palestinian government in israel it than would, an israeli government it would at that if again this is also this might also be a pipe dream because israelis would never allow that right exactly so, but if it were possible, it would, it would then be a normal democratic state where the people living had full right. People living in that territory would have full rights. Mm-hmm. Right now, Palestinians don't have full rights. Yeah. They don't have the rights that we enjoy, yeah. the rights of mobility, the right to, to, to yeah, vote. You mentioned that they can't leave Gaza and stuff like yes, that. Yes, yes. And, and even um, the West Bank, there's issues with with leaving the West Bank mm-hmm. and they don't have the mo- right of mobility around the West Bank because it's divided up and there's territories for Israeli there's roads for Israelis and roads for Palestinians it's like mm. it's like an apartheid situation where you have separate roads and so uh, the if you so Palestinians don't have the right of mobility they don't have the right to vote or in in relation to the political powers that control their lives. They don't mm-hmm. have voting rights when it comes to this in, in Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Israel that's con- basically controlling their lives, even though there's local government that they can vote for. They mm-hmm. can't really vote to change the the decisions that the politicians that are really controlling their lives make. So they don't have full voting rights mm-hmm. in the way that we enjoy voting rights. Mm-hmm. So uh, they don't have control over their own water. Palestinians don't control their own water. Israel controls the water. Whoa. Yeah. So really? it, from top to bottom, they just don't have 
the rights that people who live in a state have. Right. They are ref- like, re- they're refugees. And so uh, even though they have, you know, the Palestinian Authority, even though they have local government, you know, that where there's they have some, you know, rights, mm-hmm. they don't have the kinds of rights that we enjoy in Canada, for example. Right. We're going to move on. Yeah. I just have one last question about that because we could talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you think the war will escalate? Have you been following it all? Uh, do you think it will escalate? People are saying that there's a Hezbollah. Yeah. There's a there's a, a powerful group on the side of Lebanon right there mm-hmm. that is, is supposedly funded by and backed by Iran. And and, yeah. and it's like they're threatening to get involved into the yeah. war. Do, do you think it would escalate? And if it does, what 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 would that look like for the world? That was it would that be World War Three? Um I it's again, maybe hypothetical, yeah, but it's mm-hmm. it's again this is this would be outside my expertise, but mm-hmm. um it's I, I can't I don't think I can answer that question. I um I don't know what the implications are outside of Palestine mm. um, because I don't know how much the world actually cares about Palestine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the, even the, the states in the Middle East have to, uh, the American, Ameri- the American empire, if you will. Yeah. Well, is it an has empire? has so much influence in the world mm-hmm. that I don't know how the uh, the the even the Arabic states in the Middle East have ha, cannot are, are even the American even the even the Arabic governments of the Middle East are aligned many of them are aligned in some way with the with, with, with the United States mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so America has so much influence, and you have these Arabic states that don't necessarily have a lot of sympathy for the Palestinians. Right. Uh, and in fact, in states like Jordan, the Palestinians are destabilizing. There's tons of refugees in Palestine, in Jordan, for example, and there is destabilizing population because you have all these refugees in 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 Jordan. You have a ton of refugees, Palestinian refugees, in in um, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And and that creates certain political tensions, right. and so the Arabic states are not necessarily they have to be on the side of pe- the Palestinians in terms of rhetoric, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily on the sides of pil- Palestinians in practical terms. Yeah. It's different with the Arab Arab wider Arab populace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the pop Arabic people in general are on the side of the Palestinians. Right. And so they th- they are unhappy in general. This is my impression at least with the way that the st- the states that they live in aren't necessarily as pro-Palestinian as as they would like. Yeah. And so you have this tension between the governments and the populace. The populists are very pro-Palestinian, but the governments are not necessarily always that pro-Palestinian. Yeah. Okay, we're going to move on to yeah. something else. I think everyone can agree that we sympathize with the, the Israelis who lost families and loved yes. ones, and we are sympathizing with the Palestinians so, who are losing their life as well. So that's... People dying is a yes, bad thing. No, I can. I, I would condemn both uh, all those actions. Right. Um, my only point is that we have to understand the history. And here, I'm not a historian, but I've tried to at least 
come to a better understanding of the history. Mm-hmm. And so when we understand the history, right. then I think we can understand that Palestinians are reacting the same way normal human beings would react. Right. And so if there's one takeaway, it's that Palestinians are human beings. Right. They're not animals. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're not special. They're not, you know, an alien race or they're not so um, indoctrinated that they've lost their humanity. Right. And even their doctrines are pluralistic. That was yeah. my other point. Mm-hmm. So first of all, their religion is pluralistic, mm-hmm. at least when it comes to Jewish and Christian people. Right. Traditionally, it's been pluralistic, number mm-hmm. one. And then number two, the Palestinians are human beings, yeah. like any other human beings, and they're just reacting the way others have reacted throughout history. Mm-hmm. And so if we understand the, if we come to an understanding of the humanity of the Palestinians, then um, I think we would make progress because yeah. we justify so much, as you said, we justify Israeli actions on the basis that the Palestinians are somehow a unique threat to the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't think there's any evidence for that. If Palestinians had actually had the opportunity to get their own state, mm-hmm. uh, like was supposed Which to happen. Which is free of Israeli occupation. Yes, yes, that's what a yes, Palestinian state would yes, look like. Yeah. Yes, things would have looked completely different. Mm-hmm. And and how could such a small and uh, powerless state, by the way, mm-hmm. be a true threat to, to Israel? That's another question. A- especially a, a people who who had been allowed to have their dignity mm-hmm. for the first time in, in centuries mm-hmm. or, or in, in decades, right? You mm-hmm. give people their dignity they're going to react completely differently. Right. Unless you believe they're not human beings. Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's a humanity in all of us. Mm-hmm. And when we're treated yes. fairly and we're yes. treated <laughs> with respect, we yeah. respond. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, that comes Amidst from... Amidst the odds. That, that philosophy comes from, my, from a religious background. Right. And, and just for the record, you're yeah. Christian. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and I believe that all humans are created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so we all have the same humanity. Yeah. If Amen. If you don't if you don't believe in, in that kind of um if you don't believe we all come from the same source, mm-hmm. then you could you might have a different view on this. Yeah. But if you all believe that all human beings, all creation comes from the same source, mm-hmm. the same creative source, yeah. then we all share the same biology, the same psychology. That's true. We're, we're, we're all one in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, I like that you brought that up um, because I've read a little bit about the Rwanda genocide mm-hmm. and others like it. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, even Nazi Germany and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And y- it is so true. The rhetoric mm-hmm. that led to those mass genocide was the idea that these people were less than humans. Yes. Because I, I remember with, with in, in terms of the Rwanda genocide when... Um, but when it initially started, there was like all this propaganda that was being spread yeah. um, over the radio by yeah. various uh, propagandists like people. And one of the things that um, they were saying was that these, the Tutsi, I think they were, mm-hmm. um, they were cockroaches. Mm. Uh, they were the scum of the earth mm-hmm. and, and they needed to be eradicated. You need yeah. to get rid of them. Yeah. And it's really interesting when you debase someone to deliver a cockroach mm. or of an animal, mm-hmm. You know, if we see those things in our homes, we try to kill mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah. We, we set um, 
various traps to, yes. to catch like rats yeah. because we think they're a pest and they, you know they're 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 a plague. Yeah. And so when 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 you're so right when you when you debase human beings to the mm. level of, of 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 that. Yeah. Then you feel more comfortable in committing crime against them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very and good point. I, I think that's a lesson that we all can learn is that we all have our humanity mm-hmm. and that comes first. Yeah. All right, yeah. we're going to move on. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Let's look at the development of Christianity <laughs> because <laughs> we're, we're on a Christian podcast. <laughs> and, and we already uh, mentioned that, right? We talked about, we talk her- a little bit. Uh, about heresy, right? Yes. We talked about it. It was so interesting to me because one other thing I would say to anyone who is a Christian, mm-hmm. if you can take a course on the history of Christianity, mm-hmm. then take it. Mm-hmm. If you can take a course of history, like like for example, we I did history of Christianity one and two, mm-hmm. and I learned so much about my faith that I didn't know. Yeah, right. And there were many times questions arose about like the scripture, um, mm-hmm. about various groups, and I don't know where I would get my answers from. There were probably just made up answers that I, that I have, and I just it's like for example the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Where I grew up, there's this idea that the Bible was. Um, created by white men mm. and the white men created the bible as a means of oppression so mm. it's the colon colonization of the people and the bible was a tool by which they mm. used to to conquer the people and i mean that can mm-hmm. that can be said that the yeah. bible was used to like we just talked yeah. about the name of god was used yeah. to do many atrocious things to people yeah. but in in the sense of the the scripture one of the things that I learned in the class was the aggregation of texts of how it actually mm. developed from below. Yeah, that's kind of a, like a concept yeah. that you really brought yeah. forward in the class. You want to talk about that a little bit, like yeah, so the development of the scripture yes. itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are something there are some people who think that the development of early Christianity was just um, a top down yeah. process. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Constantine is basically responsible for everything, right? Right, but. Christianity, in terms of doctrine mm-hmm. and scripture, had been developing way before Constantine. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a long process, right? And before Constantine, uh, you have, which is in the f- the, f- the fourth century, mm-hmm. you have uh, a process of consolidation when it comes to the development of doctrine and scripture. Mm-hmm. It, it took time, but even before. The church gained. So when I say Constantine, I mean the time when the church had political power. Yeah, cent- became centralized. When when the when the Roman Empire became Christian. Right. And and the church could have political power. Mm-hmm. Before that, it had no political power. Right. So the art the the conspiracy argument is that, or whatever you want to call it, the top down argument is that everything in terms of doctrine and the development of scripture happened after. The church gained political power mm-hmm. after Constantine, mm-hmm. but if you look at the history of it, that that was actually a long process of consolidation that happened before that, before mm-hmm. Constantine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, so for example, when Constantine commanded that um, you that that um, the production mm-hmm. of a, uh, uh, the the uh, a large volume of of um, codexes, codices, mm-hmm. which was a type of uh, the way, which was a, a type of Bible. Mm-hmm. So basically, Constantine said, "We're going to produce all these Bibles, in, uh, and and we're going to distribute them uh, for ceremonial purposes. They're mm-hmm. going to be these 
these books that we're going to dis- Bibles that we're going to distribute. Mm-hmm. When when he when he uh, commanded that these Bibles be produced and distributed, the Bible as had already been in existence. That's a good point. The Bible that we know mm-hmm. had already been in existence for for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So he didn't create the Bible or the New Testament canon. Mm-hmm. He just reproduced what had already developed. And, and that's an important point. Yes. Because like like I remember um one of the things that I learned was um the say the books of the Bible, so the gospels and, mm-hmm. the, and the epistles yes. and, and and those books. It was fascinating to me because I, I think in a sense, indirectly, I also had the idea that like that's where the Bible came from. Like the 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 the, the, the church created mm-hmm. the book and sent it down. Yeah. But and 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 help me in this one. I see before Constantine even became Christian, mm-hmm. and this was when the church was going through like great mm-hmm. persecution and the people like Nero and stuff like that. These books were floating around in different yes house churches mm-hmm. is what is what we call it because yes. the church wasn't centralized. Yes. So these yeah. various groups yeah. that would meet together for worship, they had these books. Yes, but there wasn't an attempt to for um for the canonization of scripture as like we know it mm-hmm. in terms of the more specifically yeah. the New Testament. Yeah. Um, until Constantine came, so so mm. when he came and he he became like this hero of of Christianity, you know, yeah. stopped the persecution and stuff like that. Yeah. The Bible was a thing, yes, long, and, and and there wasn't an official canon created until uh, I believe the the fifth century. Mm-hmm. So even after Constantine was the first official canon, where the church said, "This is this the is the Bible," book. Yeah. yeah, but that had but that is they were simply following. Tradition, right? There. The tradition had already developed long mm-hmm. before then, so they didn't. The church didn't create the canon; mm-hmm. they just affirmed the canon. Yeah, they facilitated yeah. what was there already. Now there are conspiracy theories that say yes, but before then, you had this attempt at con- consolidation. Mm-hmm. Even if the church wasn't completely centralized, you still had this attempt at consolidating belief and practice. Right. And so the there, the political leaders like the bishops in various regions mm-hmm. somehow had the authority and the, and the ability to coordinate mm-hmm. to get rid of all of these books that were quite popular at the time and had mm-hmm. some influence. Mm-hmm. And the most... The common uh, set of s- scriptures that uh, the authorities were, according to this theory, got rid of was the the Gnostic mm-hmm. gospels and the Gnostic writings. Mm-hmm. And the Gnostics were um, what we call what we call the Gnostics were a group of religious groups that had a very very different view of the New Testament of the of the of their God and mm-hmm. the Old Testament God, as I just mentioned. They right. thought, the Gnostics thought that the Old Testament and the New Testament God were two different gods, and right. the Old Testament God was evil. evil. Mm-hmm. And that, and they also thought creation was evil. Right. The creator God was evil, and the creation that he, he created was evil. Mm. And so Interesting. they had a very, very different theology than, than what became the mainstream view. Of Christianity, of Christianity, today. which yeah. which is a creational theology. Mm-hmm. So 
traditional, what became traditional Christian theology was creational. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas these Gnostics were anti-creation. Right. Anti-creation. And anti-physical world, in yes, a sense. Yes, physic- right? physicality is evil. Yeah. And so you can say that there was somehow a conspiracy to marginalize these groups right. on arbitrary grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the grounds that's sometimes mentioned is, is sexism that mm-hmm. these Gnostic groups treated women better. Right. And so they wanted to get rid of these groups because they had a different view of women. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much evidence there is for that. I don't think there's a ton. But even if that were the, the case, that can't possibly have been the main motive. Mm. The main motive is, is obviously theological. Right. These groups had a... Different theology. Very, very mm-hmm. different theology. That's true. So the grounds of differentiating between what became orthodoxy and what became heresy was not arbitrary. Right. It It's not just political. Mm-hmm. It was actually theological. Theological. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought it up because we saw some form of canonization of scripture mm-hmm. among the Gnostics, right? Like, for, for yes. example, the first Gnostic yes. Bible, even before yeah. Constantine, yes. where, um, was it Marcion of Snope? Mm-hmm. Where where he was, like, really anti-Jewish. Yes. So he, yes. he, he got rid of the Old Testament, yes. completely yeah. destroyed that. He took out a bunch of different um, books within, yes. within the New Testament. Yeah. There's anything that had Jewish tradition in yes. it. He, t- he would yes. do the, take those out. Yeah. And then... In a sense, that's like the first canonization of scripture. Yes. Where, um, but it was Gnostic scripture. Yes. And what they believe, so they pick and choose and yes. say, right, right, this was the right. Exactly. I'm on a scripture, and the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that up was when we talk about the authority mm-hmm. of scripture, like yeah. what is scripture, what makes yes. scripture scripture. Yeah. That's a very good question to ask, and we have to also look at the surrounding um, 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 groups that were there. So we have. As you said, the Gnostic who had various um, ideas about mm. even Christ. Yes. Like that he wasn't really human or yeah. his body was an illusion and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. And we have people like Arianism and stuff like that. Yeah. And then all of that heretical movement, yes. which it wasn't really heresy until John Justin Martin made yeah. it into, yeah. into what yes. coined the term heresy yes. Yes. As, a, as, a com- as a combatant to, to those mm. people. And then as a result... I'm, I'm digging on my history of Christian technology. It, <laughs> it sounds it, um, great so far. <laughs> now I know why I gave you an A. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it resulted into the Council of Nicaea. Yes. So they're like, oh, no, we have to do something about these heretical groups. Mm. We have to do something about it. So in response to that, they came up with the Hypostatic Union, the Doctor of the Trinity, mm-hmm. and stuff like those. But the question that people can hack is that why, why is our scripture, mm-hmm. the Bible, scripture? Yes. And then these people... Yeah. Who in in all right seems like they were genuine. Yeah. About what they believe, what the what, yeah. what they understood yeah. about God, about Jesus. Why yeah. is their yeah. canon, their what? book, considered heresy yeah. and not scripture? So, so very good question. The, so the argument, I'll just call it the conspiracy theory argument from now. I don't know if that's a good term, but mm-hmm. that the conspiracy theory view is that the reasons for that were purely political. Mm. Uh, the reason for the canonization yeah. of the Bible and excluding... Yes. For for whatever reason, you know, uh, the Gnostics were viewed as a political threat. In, to the empire? In, to, no, to, Christian, to, to Christianity. To the bishops, let's say, for example, mm-hmm. that were controlling the various churches in, in, in the, around the Christian world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say that... The, so the Gnostics were viewed as a political threat, for example, on their views of women or they were seen as too radical or whatever. Right. They were... They're all... Uh, let, 
they were too countercultural or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, too secretive, too, mm-hmm. um, too whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the, in order for the, to remove the threat, you had to combat these groups uh, in terms of ideology. Right. And so that's the political argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'm arguing is that there were, that what we have with the Gnostics is a very different kind of religion that's, that you could very easily call not Christian. Right. And it, m- there, on, on some level, at least, it makes sense for Christians to differentiate between something that, between do, these two very different kinds of religion. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there was appeals to authority. Yes, there was politics. Yes, certain things were suppressed. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just an an arbitrary political thing. Right. There were real f- theological and philosophical differences. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you have a religion that believes that creation is evil, mm-hmm. that God is a purely spiritual thing mm-hmm. that uh, has no involvement in human activities, or at least indirect, very, very indirectly. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and on the other hand, you have a creational theology that believes that uh, spirit and flesh can somehow coexist. Right. And so you have these two very different religions, mm-hmm. and from that perspective, theological perspective, it makes sense to differentiate between the two. Right. But I forget your original question. The, what makes scripture authority? Right, overseas. right. Because right. That's so what I'm I saying, had a guy that asked the same question. Yes. Like, okay, wh- why, why could the Gnostic right. scriptures be scriptures? So it, the Gnostic scriptures were authoritative for the Gnostics. Okay. The Christian scriptures became authoritative for those people who believed in a creator God. Hmm. If you don't believe in a creator God, then those scriptures aren't authoritative for you. They right. don't teach you anything. Mm-hmm. They are not, they don't author anything. They don't teach you anything. They don't, they're not important to you. Right. So what scripture is important to you are the scriptures that you've learned from and that have guided you in your life. Right. Those are the scriptures that become authoritative. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you say the association of Jesus? So um, I remember I, in one episode I did, I asked someone about, I asked this very question, like mm-hmm. what makes scripture scripture? Like, yeah. like what, what gives scripture its authority, say, over other scriptures? So like, for example, we were talking about the exclusion of the Apocrypha from evangelical books, mm-hmm. because we know the Catholic Bible still yeah. have those books in it. But um, some of our reformers, they removed the Apocrypha's book because they didn't consider them as inspired. Mm-hmm. And then the question came up was like, well, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did they take them out? Like, yeah. like, like who determined what inspiration is or like, yeah. uh, and stuff like that? Yeah. And um, the professor was saying to me that in terms of the New Testament, because mm-hmm. even when Jesus came, he spoke about the scriptures. He was mm-hmm. talking about the laws. Mm-hmm. He was talking about the prophets. He was talking about the writings. Mm-hmm. And he would refer to the scripture as speaking of himself. Yeah. So I'm not talking so much about the Old Testament because they had that before. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. What gives it its authority mm-hmm. has the scripture? Because some would argue that, well, the Christians blacklisted the Gnostics. 
because the Gnostics didn't have the power that the Christians mm-hmm. have. So they oppressed them and said that you guys are foolish. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, probably if the Gnostics were more powerful, they were probably doing the same thing to the Christians and mm-hmm. we probably have Gnostic scriptures today. Yeah. Right? But but uh, and it's my thought is kind of over the place on yeah. this, but I'm trying to say the new as it relates to the New Testament, what mm-hmm. makes it authoritative over, say, other reigning books at that time. So without the fact yeah. that the church was more powerful and, and Roman yeah. Empire was behind it, so they could do these things. So here I could I think there's at least two kind of people. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of person who says the reason these scriptures are important are authoritative is because I've been told by my church that they're authoritative. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's true. Yeah. And then there's the then another kind of response, mm-hmm. and I don't know if these are the only two responses, but it's a different kind of response, mm-hmm. is to say these are the scriptures that that speak to me. These are the scriptures I've learned from. These are the scriptures that have transformed my life and become authoritative for me. Yeah. And I think both, I understand both perspectives. Mm-hmm. I tend to follow more, I, I tend to agree to my, the reason a scripture would be authoritative for me would be for the latter reason that I just mentioned, not, right. the, not the first one. Right. So those are two different kinds of responses I think that mm-hmm. people can can have. Um, I don't uh, I don't think that all Christians throughout history have simply followed uh, their leaders like sheep, right? In terms of the canon, mm-hmm. as I said, way before the church had centralized political authority. Mm-hmm. There was already a mainstream consensus on what was supposed, to, what was going to be scripture. Scriptures, right? Because these scriptures spoke to people, right? Not because they had, not because they were told from a political authority what was scripture. What was scripture? Yeah. Does does um, the fact that it came from the apostles had, had anything to do with his authority? Yes, yes, that's that's also very true. Yeah. Um, that was a huge claim to authority. Mm-hmm. Um. Because the, the apostles yeah. saw Jesus. Because yeah. in a sense, if if I, I, I think it gives more credit to it if yeah. Jesus is the center of the scripture. Yeah. If he is the, the Bible, in a sense, yeah. the, and, and the written word is about him, yeah. both Old and New Testament, mm-hmm. then um, you could see where the church said the apostles, yeah. in terms of the apostles. And, 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 and I guess this is what led to the mm-hmm. creation of the scriptures too, the death right. of the apostles in a sense. But but that doesn't quite solve the problem because mm. then I could s- simply say why are these apostles my authority? Because they know Jesus, they saw him literally to talk to him. Uh, yes, he spoke to them and he gave them authority. Except except the Gnostics claimed that the apostles had secret knowledge <laughs> that they taught in secret. Really? Yes. So Paul uh, Paul was actually um, uh, f- a huge. Uh, person in not in some of these Gnostic groups mm-hmm. they they f- basically claim to follow Paul not Paul uh, the way we know Paul mm-hmm. the, today yeah but the secret teachings of Paul interesting so j- claiming apostolic authority doesn't necessarily solve the problem mm-hmm. because you can just you can claim that these apostles had secret teachings interesting mm-hmm. like the Apostle Paul Yes. Do we have any information about their secret teachings? Or? Well, some some of the I mean we do we do have copies today of some of the Gnostic gospels Which like they claim. Like, like the gospel of Peter or the mm-hmm. gospel and many of these some of these gospels were attributed to apostles, hmm. right? 
So I, so I hope it's a new can of right there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just claiming apostolic authority doesn't necessarily solve the problem. So the conclusion of the matter, can we trust the Bible? You, you, you should follow the scriptures that have transformed your life in a, for better, for the better. Yeah. Not just transformed your life, but transformed your life for the better. For the better. Those should be, this would be my advice mm -hmm. for what it's worth, is to follow the scriptures that have transformed your life for the better. For the better. You know, I feel like I could talk to you the whole day, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so if you're interesting, if you're interested, we could do a next, another episode where we okay. get more <laughs> into the history of Christianity because okay. there's just, there's just so more, so much to unpack, yes. right? Because I, I, I actually wanted to go to the, and we'll just touch a little bit on this and then mm -hmm. we're going to wrap it up, but um, a little on the relationship between Islam, Islam and Christianity. This, yes. this is kind of what we wrote about. Yes. And... One of my take on that was the the relationship was more was more for the most part was peaceful mm -hmm. initially at, at least at mm -hmm. the initial stage of say Muhammad, but when it led down to places like the Crusade, we see yeah. it kind of get really bloody yes. where there was a lot of fights yes. between. So 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 in comparison to the relationship between the Christians and and, and Muslim in the early church mm -hmm. to now, mm -hmm. would you say there's a drastic different? Would you, would you say we're more tolerant of each other or it because I don't see a lot of bloodshed in terms of war yeah um holy wars for example I uh yes we don't go on crusades anymore right um thankfully but on the other hand there's a tremendous amount of prejudice against Muslims mm -hmm. from Christians and a lot of mis understandings and disinformation out there right and as i mentioned in the 20th century for political reasons and historical reasons you also have a rise in islamic radicalism mm -hmm. as a response to the creation of israel and and other political factors right like like the iraq war mm -hmm. um, the iraq war the second iraq war destabilized the middle east to such a degree that you get all these radical groups emerging from that situation like ISIS. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot more intolerance in some ways today than there was, or perhaps it's just a different kind of intolerance. Mm -hmm. Yes, we don't go on crusades anymore. Yeah. Yes, um, there's no longer a war, uh, you know, Islamic empire mm -hmm. ruling northern africa the middle east and and spain mm -hmm. um but there's also a lot m more intolerance in terms of these em the emergence of radical views yeah the radical islam is the, the throughout history there's been a mainstream islam that has as i mentioned been pluralistic right mm -hmm. and and tolerant of christianity and and, and judaism, judaism. Yeah, and so it, the kind of radicalism that we see today is out of the mainstream for most, for the vast majority of Muslims today, mm -hmm. and throughout history. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I it's actually in some ways it's worse now. There's a lot more intolerance actually, mm -hmm. 
but of course it's not as vi- as and, out and over it's not as overtly violent as it used to be, to be. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did okay here's an interesting question <laughs> did the church did the early church created islam is oh so now you're talking <laughs> I, I, how, it's so how, funny. you said you wanted to cut off i know i the, know the okay, podcast. We, we, we're gonna cut it off but I wanted to show you this clip so badly. I know, so I, I know what you're gonna talk. We know what you're gonna show. <laughs> I wanted to show you this clip where there was this. Um, I, I think it's a philosopher, a professor, or something, and he mentioned a relation, this kind of a relationship between the church and Muhammad. Is this Walter Weiss? I think so. Okay, so Walter Weiss is not. Uh, I think he was. He's a trained as a. Biologist or something. He's a, he's a scientist. He's he's trained in the sciences. Yes, not, not that, in, I think that's him. Yeah, not in religion, mm-hmm. but he's a a conspiracy theorist <laughs> who ha- has achieved what other conspiracy theories have not mm-hmm. by combining uh, Islam, uh, Jesuit Catholicism, and the Freemasons all in one big conspiracy theories. They're all mm-hmm. wor- all those three actors are working together, mm-hmm. and. What what an achievement, right? <laughs> it's all one thing. Yeah, yeah. So so it's not true that um, the church created Islam. No, uh, there's absolutely no evidence. Are funded. There's no Muhammad evidence for that. There's no evidence for that. All right, we, we we won't get into the conspiracy theories if there's not. What, like, <laughs> did you know that the Ottoman Empire funded uh, Protestant uh, rulers during the wars of religion? Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to create instability in Europe. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. So, that so we, we could say all sort of stuff. That that doesn't mean <laughs> that, hey, this religion but was created yes, by Christianity. But that, uh, no, here it's, it's the, here it's the, the Muslim Ottoman Empire mm-hmm. funding Protestants. Interesting. And that's not a conspiracy theory. There's evidence for that. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely no evidence for... Uh, the Christian Church creating, or the, the the Jesuits creating Islam. Islam. There's no evidence for that. It's just pure speculation. Mm-hmm. Arbit, he Walter Weiss takes all these different scattered facts and just draws lines between them arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. There's no, and it's all symbolic stuff. There's no evidence, no, no hard Very evidence for anything. Yeah, I I had this intention to take the video the video in studio today. Yes, and play it, and yes. then and then we both would have reacted to it as a part of the episode. But okay, well we can do that next time. Next time, yeah. 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 Can we put water? Do you know those spit take videos where they put water in and they? <laughs> you can do we that? do that? Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. The challenge will but, be to keep from laughing. But it has to be if it's funny though. I it is I, funny. I, it's it is hilarious. Funny. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating when I first saw it, at least. Okay. Well, I I, th- I find it humorous. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we, the show is called Amidst the Odds. Yes. And we come to a close. Um, and it's the idea that it's, it's, it's kind of funny because I I know what it means, the show, Amidst the Odds, mm-hmm. Amidst War, Amidst Violence, Amidst mm-hmm. Disagreement, Amidst Differences. All of us, we have a story, mm-hmm. right? And and the the idea is that we triumph amidst the odds. Mm-hmm. If you could tell, if you would tell, if you should tell, mm-hmm. what would be your amidst the odds story? Personally, or personally, uh, personally. Mm. I don't think I can get too personal. Mm-hmm. Um, as personal as you can. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I think I think I'll have to just speak philosophically because I, I can't <laughs> get too personal, I don't think. Uh, is there a reason? Well, I just, I'm a very private person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not time it's, for confession. It's <laughs> and I'm not a priest. So yes. Yeah. Um, Speak your heart, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that one thing I've learned is that this uh, tr against the odd situation <laughs> um, I, I, I actually think that I've learned what I've learned over the years is that um, success is not against the odds mm. that we are set up for success and that comes from my Christian beliefs yeah. and, and theology, that in life we're set up for success. Mm -hmm. And the, the times that I've been the least, uh, the most unhappy are the times where I haven't recognized that and where I've uh, been, where I've um, uh, ignored all the things that God has already given me in my life mm -hmm. and everyone, not just me, everyone. Right. So, um, and, and that, those are the basics of life. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I'm not talking about, uh, a car, a, a house. I'm not talking about, um, uh, wealth of any kind. I'm talking about basics like like love and friendship mm -hmm. and those basics of life like love and friendship are a gift to all of us mm. and and even in terms of the resources on earth like the 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 the, the food that we get from the earth yeah. there's plenty of food for everyone right mm -hmm. and so all that Everything that we need in terms of mental and physical health have, have already been given to us yeah. by by life. And the times in in life where I've been the unhappiest are the times where I haven't recognized that, where I've been too prideful, yeah. too uh, too ambitious, mm -hmm. in a sense. I want to conquer the world, kind of stuff, rather than being grateful for those gifts of life. Wow. So. Uh, I'm at my worst when I'm sometimes when I'm my, my most ambitious and prideful. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that we shouldn't be ambitious in certain areas, right? We should do the best that we can in whatever mm -hmm. area that we've we've chosen to focus on in life, right? Right. That's there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, but it's I'm just saying that in my life personally, it's the times where I've been most ambitious that I've been the worst kind of person. Wow. Maybe that just applies to me, but yeah. that's 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 my personal take on it. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Um, practicing gratefulness mm -hmm. does help you yeah. with your mental health, with yeah. satisfaction, with humility and yeah. stuff like that. Because the world is just like grab, grab. Yes. You should always try to be the biggest. Yeah. Try to be the best. <laughs> Push yourself. Be exactly. And no one said, okay, stop, reflect, yes. and be grateful for the things that you have. And unfortunately, the only time I learned those lessons is when <laughs> I when 
my pride and ambition fails. Yeah, yeah because it's like you're <laughs> you're trying to grab something, yes. right? Right, right, right. Like that you want, or you probably have a perception that this thing mm-hmm. will make you fulfilled. Yes. Like if I get it, then yes. everything will be okay. Yes. Not yeah. knowing that you're okay right yes. now. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. You have yeah. a lot. Of, you have good friendship. Yeah. You have a good family. You have kids. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, all yeah. those things that, that grounds you in yeah. life. Responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, people are going to say, well, you can say that because you're you're privileged. You live in, a, in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm actually talking about, and there's all sorts of injustices, like hoarding wealth. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that for all people universally, we have been given everything we need by by nature, by God, right? Yeah. And and the reason that we don't have even the basic needs of life, like even friendship or or food or or love, is because we live in a in a corrupt world. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with privilege. It's not because we live in a certain it, it has privilege. It's it has to do with privilege in the sense that at least I have the opportunity to enjoy those gifts. You know, I'm right. not so oppressed that I don't have the opportunity to enjoy those gifts. But it's not privilege in the sense that I'm saying we should be trying to uh, uh, that success equals wealth, for example. Right. Right. I'm not. I'm not successful in life because I have money or wealth. Right. I'm successful in life, I believe, mm-hmm. when when I develop my friendships, when I have love in my life, That's when true. I when I just have the basics of the basic resources in order to live. Yeah. And and and, and flourish as a human being. Yeah. Just the very basics of life. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's also certain pitfalls with privilege, by the way, as as yeah. I mentioned. It, mm-hmm. You can you can get away from the basics and say, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z, and that can be a huge distraction in life, mm-hmm. which it has been in my life, right? Yeah. And so, as I mentioned, the times that I've fallen from that, where my pride has gotten in the way, where my ego has gotten away, yeah. those are the times I learned those lessons. Yeah. Important. And that's actually sometimes when I'm at my best, when I when I'm at my lowest <laughs> because no longer is my ego getting in the way, in the way. when I've been humbled, right? Yeah. And you're able to see the things that matter. Yes, exactly. I like that. That's a powerful advice for me. <laughs> That's a good way to it's, I, I think it's relevant. I think it might be relevant to everyone because mm-hmm. we all have an ego. Yeah, we do. All of us. <laughs> and the pride. And the need to be the best. And the need yes. to be ahead. And the need yes. to be the, the, the leader and all those yes. kind of things. Yeah. But the thing that I've really been thinking about the most recently is that I'm not the center of the world. The wow. world doesn't. I can do my part to make the world a better place. Yeah. But ultimately, my contribution is going to be very minor. Yeah. Compared to the, the magnitude, to of, the magnitude world. of the world and and God, right? And God, yes. That's a very humble stand to mm-hmm. take. <laughs> Thank you for that advice. Well, that's my it's, advice. It's a today. hard, <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Graham, thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome for talking to me today. You're welcome, and I look forward to having you back. Okay, you're gonna keep, you're gonna keep getting trying to get me into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna, 